and at the midway point, my body just does not have enough strength to continue climbing. I'm barely clinging onto the cliff, and if I had let go, I would either be falling to my death or a serious life-threatening injury. Hey guys, welcome back. I hope everyone is keeping well and healthy. Thank you so much for tuning in again and allowing this podcast to grow. It really means a lot to me. This is the third episode and it's about something I'm really passionate about, which is traveling. Quite ironic, I know, during this time, but don't switch off just yet. This is not going to be a travel guide that gives you FOMO. No, no, no. <laughs> Sounded like a song. <laughs> In this episode, I will share some of my travel stories and experiences and talk about what I learned from them. Hopefully this highlights the importance and benefits of traveling when we are able to do so. With the Q&A segment being a hit from the previous relationship episode, I will cover a couple of questions I've received from my listeners around traveling in this episode at the end. Just a quick reflection here, there is certainly a link between traveling and relationships. Travel is a great way to learn about your partner or anyone for that matter. Because being around someone for long periods of time, outside the comforts of a date in difficult situations, which are common on adventures away where things do not exactly go to plan, you really learn about the inner character, things that would not be revealed in a controlled environment. I've always maintained to really know someone, you either must live with them or at least travel with them. So I'll go straight into my travel experiences now. The first one I'll cover is a trip to Bangkok in Thailand, which was my first big adventure away outside of family vacation. This story begins with a trip to one of the famous Buddhist sites in the city, the Leaning Buddha Temple. Having reached there and seen all the Buddhist temples in the vicinity, I chose to take a stroll along the temple gardens, which was pretty much deserted. There was a specific tree that I was drawn to in the garden out of many. It was a mushroom-shaped tree which had provided good shelter from the strong rays of the sun at this point. As I edged closer to the tree, I realised there was a Buddhist monk meditating underneath it. I can't describe this feeling, but there was a strange energy that was drawing me to him. I couldn't keep my eyes off of him. Intuition told me to edge closer still. And so I reached the foot of the tree, treading very carefully and quietly. I was maintaining a safe distance from the monk. All of a sudden, the monk opens his eyes slowly and looks at me and gently gestures me to sit down in front of him. Now, I had ensured I was very quiet in observing the monk so as to not disturb him from his meditation. Him opening his eyes were purely by his choice. And then the monk utters his first words. Thank you, he says. I look at him confused and completely bewildered. Sensing this, he continues in broken English. We were friends in a past life and we were meant to meet today. Thank you for what you did for me. And with that, he closes his eyes and continues his meditation. I was completely stumped at this point and froze. I needed some time to process what had just happened. But strangely, I felt incredibly safe and comfortable in his presence. After a few moments, I took my leave from the monk, bowing my head and walking back towards the temples. I did some reflection that day. That monk didn't want anything from me aside showing me his gratitude for a past life. His words resonated in my ears, we were meant to meet today. And the energy I felt coming from him that I was drawn to from afar, initially not even knowing he sat under this tree. There was just too much going on for all of this to have been a coincidence. 
And so this brings me to what I learned from this experience. Everything happens for a reason. You are exactly where you need to be to get to where you want to go. Trust the journey that you're on. And this trip was a special one for me for that very moment of realisation. The next adventure I'll cover was a trip to Split in Croatia. Split has a landscape that's ideal for extreme adventure sports, and so it's a great place to visit if you love a good adrenaline kick like me. Fortunately, I have a couple of friends that are also into adventure sports that I can travel with. So the story here begins when we chose to kayak together along the beautiful coast of Split. Considering ourselves to be a little bit more experienced when it comes to kayaking, I think this is more ego talking, <laughs> we chose to rent out kayaks for 24 hours as opposed to joining a big control tour group. When our kayaks were provided to us, we were warned to stay along the Split coastline and not cross the open sea to the individual islands surrounding Split. Now you can guess what we decided to do with the little experience we considered ourselves to have. Yes, we chose to cross to an adjacent island. The journey there was super peaceful. The sun was out, the waves were calm, and we were having a great time. Using Google Maps en route, we were even choosing what we wished to have for lunch on the new island. The adventure really kicked in on the return journey. Sufficiently rested and with our bellies full, as soon as we sat back in the kayaks, the weather changed. It began to rain, gentle at first. Here we made a collective decision to continue on back to Split. Ten minutes into our journey now, and the weather begins to change drastically. For the worst. The heavens really opened up to the point where there was no visibility and therefore sense of direction. The wind had picked up, and with it being an open sea, the waves were becoming dangerous. At one point, the waves were literally coming at us above head height, and there was no way possible to ride through this. We were stuck in the middle of a storm in the open sea on a kayak. <laughs> I'm laughing now, but make no mistake, this was a do or die situation. I guess this is what you call an extreme situation to test character. Not only your own, but also the people you're with. And on this occasion, it's my buddies. Between the three of us, we had all sorts of emotions passing through. Are we going to make it or topple over? Would anyone find us, let alone rescue us? Each man could have been for himself to ensure survival because there were mixed levels of kayaking experience within the group. But what happened was we chose to encourage and motivate each other to pass through the storm together as a trio. True colours were revealed here when it would have been easier to have been selfish, but instead we were all selfless. So we kayaked together constantly shouting out and checking in with each other to ensure we're all still afloat. We create the strategy of absorbing the large waves, and when we saw a gap between these waves to put our head down and sprint. What had taken us over three hours on the first leg, we covered within two on the return. We made it back alive. Just. We were so drained we didn't even have the energy to stand on the shore when we made it out of the kayak. We checked our phones and there were ten missed calls from the kayak company. As you can probably grasp from this story, this experience really strengthened our bond and relationship we share. This goes back to the comment I made earlier, where you can only really learn about other people's character when you're in a hostile situation with them. And I certainly learned I have good friends in these guys. Keeping with the extreme adventure theme, I really do love my hiking trips, especially ones that have a sense of danger involved. This brings me to a hike I once did with a friend around the Dolomites in Italy. This was actually my first ever hiking experience. 
I was a complete newbie with no gauge of my hiking ability, but fearless to take on anything. My friend, on the other hand, was quite the experienced hiker, so I was confident I was in safe hands. This was to be a five-day trip covering five different hiking trails around the Dolomites with the hardest and longest trek to take place on the first day. This particular story revolves around this first hike. The location for this hike had several trails, each colour-coded and differing in difficulty levels. The one we had chosen to do was at a medium difficulty level and was colour-coded orange. The trail was to take approximately six hours to complete. So we started the day in good spirits, arriving to the start of the trail at 10am. We started with a slow walk up into the mountains, taking regular breaks for capturing unreal mountain shots. We reached the first resting point at approximately 2pm, which was a third of the hike distance. We realised at this point we had to pick up the pace, so we continued briskly after a quick lunch back onto the trail. My next memory is looking at my watch at 6pm and feeling very lost as to where we were. I was definitely tired at this point and the hike was becoming more and more challenging. As it was my first experience of hiking, I just assumed this to be a medium difficulty level hike and didn't wish to complain about it to my friend and so just chose to soldier on. We were at an elevated point in the hike and although we were both carrying enough liquids and food in our backpacks, oxygen was becoming scarce and I was feeling the effects of this. My legs were full of lactic acid and had become super stiff. They were literally shaking on their own. So it was approximately 7pm now and light is beginning to fade. We reach a super incline point which was pretty much a near vertical side of a cliff. Required scaling this with no climbing equipment and carrying backpacks using purely upper body strength. My buddy went ahead of me and reached the top fairly quickly. He did say this was very challenging even for him. Now I try and follow suit and at the midway point my body just does not have enough strength to continue climbing. I'm barely clinging onto the cliff and if I had let go I would either be falling to my death or a serious life-threatening injury. I begin to panic and tremble, calling out to my friend for assistance who I couldn't see. He could barely hear me. He was so high at this point that he was on the other side of a set of clouds. There was actual cloud in between us, separating us, and therefore we could not see each other. This is perhaps the scariest situation I've ever faced. And just to add some more context here, there was no signal on our phones, so there was no possible communication with the outside world. My friend shouts and reassures me, telling me to continue talking to him. I ask him to guide me up, but he is not able to see me to do that, and for him to come down this cliff would have been even more dangerous. So my friend, who I know is also panicking at this point, as we are essentially lost, begins to encourage me and motivate me to continue up whilst taking my time. His words really did have a profound impact on me. It inspired me to continue up, taking baby steps. Again, I find myself in a do-or-die situation. I somehow managed to make it to the top, and we embraced each other, as we know how dangerous that moment really was. We decided to sit down and evaluate what the plan was now, as nightfall was approaching. It was here we came to the realisation of our mistake. What we assumed was the orange trail we were following was in fact the red trail, where the coloured dots and route had faded to orange. The red trail was the expert level hiking trail. Now just imagine our shock at learning this. Continuing this trail on, especially in the dark, to recircle back to the start point would have meant more unforeseen obstacles with no hiking equipment in the dark, which was just not an option. Sleeping overnight in the mountains was also a daunting option which we didn't want to take. That left one final option, which was the most viable. To retrace our steps 
all the way back to the start point. Fortunately, we did have head torches as the basic hiking equipment. So we retraced our steps, refacing all the challenges we had faced uphill, but now going downhill. There was more urgency now to finish with the darkness and the unknown that comes with it, especially forms of wildlife. Adrenaline was pumping through our veins and the fatigue we were feeling was thrown to the back of our minds. This was all about survival now. We reached the start point injury-free, minus some mental trauma of course. I looked at my watch. It was 2am. I learned a lot about myself during this trip, predominantly how I react in high-pressure situations and whether or not I have the fighting instinct within me to get over the finish line. Much like the previous story, this experience certainly strengthened the bond I shared with my friend. It was during the near-vertical cliff moment I learned about the calm, caring nature he has, where he chose to remove emotion, even though I know he was freaking out in order to keep me calm and progress me through the climb. Again, something I would never have learned from him, just meeting him at various restaurants or cafes. Moving on to the next story I wish to cover was a trip to Marrakesh in Morocco with my sister. Now, Marrakesh has been on the bucket list for quite a while because of its close proximity to the UK and it being a great sunny destination where you get to experience a whole new culture and way of life. It's a place where the old literally meets the new, with the city being divided by the old town where the markets reside and the new town where you get the swanky restaurants and hotels. This particular story was actually based in the new town, which in my opinion is a more civilised part of the city because that's where people follow the laws and regulations of the land. So after having had lunch with my sister one day, I called a taxi from the street to take us back to our accommodation, which was a riad located in the old town. So to call the taxi, I simply raised my arm at the edge of the pavement onto a very busy road. Pretty standard behaviour. Immediately, a taxi brakes super hard on the road, about 15 metres ahead of me, and gestures me to take a seat. As I slowly walk towards it, another individual wearing a black tracksuit jogs over to the car. As he reached the car, he looked over at me and my sister, and then proceeded to provide the driver a small package. Now, this guy was not acquainted with either of us. And that was obvious from his interaction with the driver, who also looked a little bemused. He was reassuring the driver about something before again gesturing me to take a seat very quickly. This was becoming very weird, and from this person's body language and repeated urgency for me to sit in the car, super suspicious. It was at this moment where my gut instinct was just saying, stop where you are, and for the love of God, do not get into this taxi. I confer with my sister that the situation seems very off and we should get another taxi. Sensing danger as well, she agrees. So I now gesture to the taxi to drive on before I turn around and walk away. I then hear the sound of someone running towards me. It was that person in the black tracksuit. He is now demanding that I get into that taxi and is cursing at me for not doing so. I tell my sister to walk ahead of me back into the restaurant while I try and calmly remove myself from the situation. This guy is not backing down and is coming at me even more aggressively. This just reassured me that I had made the right decision to not get into that taxi. I now realise I can't come across passive in this situation, as that made this individual more confident he's going to get his way. I had to be more affirmative in my actions to not come across weak here, which would have played right into his hands. So I now stand my ground and explain I don't want the taxi whilst keeping full eye contact. There was a stare down for at least a whole minute before he chose to walk away, still cursing at me. The situation had passed. 
Now, I don't know for sure what this person's intentions were. I don't know what that exchange with the taxi driver was, and whether or not if we had taken that taxi, we'd have reached our destination safely. But what I do know is my gut was telling me something is wrong here, and this person's actions certainly validated that. What I learned from this experience is quite a life lesson, and that is to always follow your gut. It's there for a reason, and it rarely ever fails you. The last adventure I'll talk about is a very recent trip to the city of Varanasi in India. So Varanasi is very much a spiritual capital of Hinduism and is one of the locations where the holy Ganges river passes through. So to give you some background for this trip, coming from a Hindu Brahmin background, Brahmin being the priest sect within Hinduism, being in the presence of the Ganges was of huge significance for me. My lineage of forefathers, right down to the very first Vyas, or Vyas, for the Desi police out there, have all visited and bathed within these spiritual waters. This was therefore more than just a holiday. This trip had purpose attached to it. Bathing within the Ganges was a rite of passage for me. Within the Ganges at Varanasi, you see the entire circle of life take place. Cue the Lion King music. <laughs> there are young children with their parents bathing within the river, while at the river's extreme end, people are being cremated and the ashes being scattered into the same river. It's truly quite a sensory experience that stays imprinted with you for perhaps a whole lifetime. I was able to have my moment within the Ganges embrace, and having walked the same paths as my ancestors would have, I felt a whole host of emotions. I finally felt realigned with my roots, which gave me a sense of inner comfort. It's difficult to describe, but it felt like going back home to your mother, who you hadn't seen for a lifetime. That's the best way I would put it. I felt incredibly proud to come from such a beautiful heritage. So what did I learn from this trip? In the modern day, we easily lose touch with our purpose as we have so much noise and distractions coming from all directions. We mould ourselves into this non-human robotic state of mind. It's by reconnecting with our roots and heritage that we regain our unique identity back. And that allows us to silence this noise and with it gain some focus. I therefore encourage all of my listeners to take the opportunity, whatever you can, to explore and reconnect with your roots to realign your purpose. This trip certainly got quite deep. To summarise, travel is important for development. Besides learning about the world and its inhabitants, i.e. the different races and cultures and way of life that we as humans all have, you also learn a lot about yourself and the people who you choose to travel with, which should not be exposed in a controlled environment. Travelling is self-investment in which you're adding value to yourself and I hope my stories have helped to show this. So to end with, I will now move on to the interactive Q&A session which I will keep short and sweet in this episode. I have a couple of questions I've received in the form of voice notes which are quite similar in the question so I'll look to play them together. Let's take it away. Hi Dash, my name is Matthias and I've already travelled quite a lot in my life sometimes with a partner, sometimes with friends. But actually some of the best experiences I've made is when I was just traveling solo because it kind of forces you to go out and get around new people. So you end up staying in places like hostels or maybe surf camps where it's super easy to get in contact with other travelers and you end up meeting interesting and amazing people from all around the world that you wouldn't have met maybe when you just stick to the group of friends that you're traveling with. So I want to know, uh, do you also enjoy traveling solo and what experiences have you made? 
Hi, Josh. How are you? So, I have a question concerning traveling, or actually, it's concerning solo traveling. I wanted to ask you if you have like experienced solo traveling in your past, and if so, if you have like, do you have any tips? Um, concerning solo traveling, because I feel like I really, I don't know, I would really love to actually do it, like go on a solo travel journey, but I just don't know how to get myself out of that comfort zone and really go on that journey. If that makes sense. Thank you so much for the detailed questions. It's given me a lot to think about. So. Both questions are around solo traveling, and is essentially asking what my opinion on solo traveling is, and if I've experienced it, any tips I may have. So yes, I have experienced solo traveling. The first destination I went to was Rome in Italy, which, and this is going to be a plug, I highly recommend for a solo travel, as there is a lot of things to do and absorb in the city, from the history to the food to the football, and of course the shopping. And you have the added benefit of being able to visit another country in the form of the Vatican. Rome has a bit of everything which caters for everyone's needs. Solo travel is certainly something I recommend everyone tries at some point. You will either love the experience and freedom that it brings, or loathe it entirely because of the loneliness it can make you feel. Either way, you're going to learn a lot about yourself and how you operate. Solo travel, much like many things, has its pros and cons. The pros, as mentioned, being the freedom element, as a trip and its itinerary is entirely based on your preference. There is no requirement to consider and compromise for anyone else at any point. So, in that sense, it's quite liberating. As rightly said in one of the voice notes, and this is definitely personality dependent, solo travel can make you more open to meeting new people and making new friends. Many of these individuals, particularly tourists, Tend to be from differing international countries, and so it opens up the opportunity to visit their country and have them host you in the future. Depending on how occupied you keep yourself, solo travel provides great opportunity for self-reflection as well—an opportunity to recharge your internal batteries and provide some focus in your life. Now, this does have another side to it, and that is the feeling of loneliness. Some people are naturally extroverts and require the company of other individuals in order to feel energized. If they don't find this company, they can end up becoming quite homesick. The other potential negative is safety. Traveling on your own can make you more vulnerable and an easier target for crime. So this brings me on to my solo traveling tips. In order to not feel lonely, have some sort of an initial itinerary to keep yourself occupied with whilst you find your feet and make potential new friends. If you do end up making friends, be open to spontaneous plans with them. I often find those activities that are completely unplanned on holiday are usually the most memorable. In order to stay safe, it goes without saying: maintain caution in whatever you choose to do, and ensure you provide your details of where you're staying and visiting with the loved one, be it family or friends. Schedule regular check-ins with them so you are accounted for. To summarize, I highly recommend solo traveling, as it allows an opportunity for self-love and reflection. I will wrap up the interactive Q and A there. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please do get in touch if you have any comments or if you agreed or disagreed with some of the things I said. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a DM on Instagram at Dishfires. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with others so I can continue growing and sharing more positive content. My final message is. 
please stay healthy, please stay safe. And of course, keep on tuning in for more episodes of Dive Deep with Dush.